ever had the experience of trying to communicate with someone who doesn't speak your language? Or perhaps speaks your language but doesn't do it very well and just leaves you scratching your head trying to figure out what in the world they're saying? My guess is you've probably had that experience. I remember when I first came down here, it took my northern ears a little while to just pick up on the southern twang so that I could figure out what in the world the person at the gas station was telling me as I just simply tried to gas. Then I've also had those where I've, I've crossed the Atlantic Ocean and was in a foreign country. Right, and in hearing foreign languages that, that sounded kind of neat, but I had no idea what they were saying. And, and some of those experiences of, of, of frustration, of, of trying to, how do I figure out how to communicate what I need or what I want to this person when we don't have a common language? As we hear in our, in our first lesson this morning, it wasn't always that way, was it? In fact, when God created Adam and Eve and the rest of, of, of the people that followed Adam and Eve, we're told all the way through Noah and his family, they all had a, a common language. They all spoke the same thing. You imagine how easy that would have made communication? Right? It, it wasn't as though you'd go to a different part of the world and not know what they're saying. After the flood, God tells Noah, Noah's sons, their wives, what I want you to do now is spread out and begin to fill the rest of this earth. The same command he had given to Adam and Eve, right? At the very beginning to Adam and Eve, he told Adam and Eve that now as you have offspring, what I want you to do is, is be fruitful and multiply it and fill the earth I have created to you. He repeats that same command to Noah and his family, right? After the flood, it's Noah, his kids, and that's it on all of the earth. And he tells them, what I want you to do, <coughs> what I want you to do is be fruitful and multiply and fill this earth I have created for you. And for a while, it seems as though that's what God's people did. And then we get to chapter 11. And we see that there were groups of people that began to ignore what God had told them to do. Right? They, they come to a beautiful plain, and in, instead of continuing to spread out and fill the earth, they decide to do what? What we're going to do is we're going to build a city, and we're going to build a really tall tower in that city, and, and we're, we're going to become famous because people are going to hear about this tower, and they're going to want to come and see it, and, and we're going to make a great name for ourselves, and then we don't have to get on with this business of scattering all over the place. We can have one home place here where, where we live. Which sounds great, right? Except for one problem. What had God told them to do? He told them to scatter. Right? To, to fill the earth, God had, the, the earth God had made for them. And instead... The people chose, I want to stay in one place, 
And in staying in that one place, we're not only disregarding and ignoring God's command to scatter and fill the earth, but now they were also going to say, we're going to build a tower and make a name for ourselves. Well, sinful nature has a tendency to do that, doesn't it? To ignore God's commands and as a result get disconnected from God. It's what happened at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right? The, the devil comes to Adam and Eve. He, he lies to them. He gets them to doubt God's promises, gets them to doubt God's love. They ignore God's commands and as a result uh, feel disconnected from God. Not just feel disconnected, they are disconnected from God. And it takes God coming to them and giving them a promise of a Savior to reestablish that connection with his people. And we see the same thing repeat over and over and over in history, don't we? From the time of Adam to the time of Noah, the same thing happens. And now after the time of Noah, we see that that sinful nature is alive and well in people's hearts as they ignore God's commands and decide, this is what I'm going to do instead. And the result? Well, you could expect, I suppose, God just seeing this tower and just crushing it with his hand and just being done with it altogether. But instead we see God... He doesn't act rashly. But we're told he comes down and he sees what the people are doing and he says, you know what, if the people continue to do this, what they're going to ultimately do is, well, continue to ignore my commands. They're going to ignore my promises and we're going to end up in the same place that the world was at before Noah. So what I'm going to do is confuse their languages and then they're going to be forced to scatter. Right? And he does just that. One morning, everybody's speaking the same language as the next morning. (coughs) The very next morning, you get up and people can't communicate. Some people are speaking German. Some people are speaking Spanish. Some are speaking African. Some are speaking Arabic. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to try to build a building if everybody is speaking different languages? Unable to communicate what needs and things are. What do the people quickly realize? It's not going to work, is it? And by confusing their languages, what did God force the people to do? Scatter. He forced them, in essence, to obey his commands. I suppose you could look at at that Tower of Babel. You could look at, at what caused it. And see the same thing, that same sinful nature still living in our hearts, huh? Right, you, you could say, before I became a Christian, I, I, you could certainly see Scripture describes how all of us are, are born not only with this sinful nature, but that sinful nature wants nothing to do with God. It makes us guilty before God and worthy of eternal death. That sinful nature that we're, we're born with, that we receive from our parents, the very moment we are conceived, causes us to be disconnected from God. Right? And being disconnected from God means, well, ultimately, if we stay disconnected from God, it means an eternity separated from God and his love. It means hell. But my guess is, most of us sit here today, I'm going to say all of us, 
right, are, are no longer in that position. Right? We, we've been brought to faith. We've been connected with God through baptism. We hear God's word preached to us. We, we read and study God's word on our own. That connection is there. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet, what do we still see evidence of in our life? A sinful nature? Right? A, a disconnect that exists between us and God at times? You think of at that Tower of Babel, that morning they wake up, their languages are confused. Not only is it hard for them to communicate, but if I can't communicate with you and I hear you talking in different languages, what does my sinful nature do with that? I begin to look at you a bit suspiciously, don't I? I don't know what you're saying. For all I know, you're insulting me or making fun of me or, or saying something about me that I can't understand. And so that inability to communicate quickly leads to... Right? They, they're disconnected from each other as a result of the inability to speak different la- the, the same language. And what comes from that is they're forced to scatter... Well, because if I can't understand you, I can't communicate with you, and ultimately that disconnect brings suspicion and doubt. And the same thing happens in our own lives. Right? That, that sinful nature that, that still lives in each of our hearts means at times we do the same thing the people at Babel do. Right? We, we ignore God's commands. We decide, well, I think I know how to handle this better, or I can handle this on my own. We hear the commands God gives us and it seems as though they go in one ear and out the other because that sinful nature in us still creates a disconnect at times between us and our God. It causes us to look at some of God's commands with suspicion. Like, if I'm doing this, I don't see the love of God here. How can this be good for me? I I want to do this. Everybody else, it seems to be okay. It doesn't hurt anybody else. And yet, God tells me no, but I don't understand why. And so I look at those commands with a bit of suspicion and doubt. Or I, I, I go through a difficult point in my life and I hear the, the, the things that God tells me about how he feels about me and how he works things out for my good. And yet, what does the devil and my sinful nature try to convince me to do? Doubt God's love? Doubt his promise? Right? They, it, it causes me situations I find myself in and, and wonder, well, if, if God really loved me or if God was with me, why are these things happening to me? And suddenly I look with suspicion on doubt and doubt at God's promises. And what ultimately comes from that is a disconnect between me and God. But even in the midst of those disconnects between me and God, he doesn't act rashly, does he? It's not as though God looks at us and finally just tosses up his hands and gives up. Instead, God did the exact same thing he did at the Tower of Babel, doesn't he? 
God sees our predicament. He sees we have a sinful nature that's hostile to him. He sees that that sinful nature wants nothing to do with him and his commands. And so what God does is he comes down here. Right? He, he comes down here. He takes on human flesh so that he can reconcile or, or reconnect us to God. He does everything that you and I can't do because of our sinful nature, right? He, he keeps all of God's commands. He has a perfect trust and confidence in God's love for him, even as he goes through some of the worst situations in life, huh? In fact, even as he is completely forsaken and abandoned by God, Jesus still trusts that this is for his good. And what was for Jesus' good is ultimately for our good, isn't it? Because as he lives perfectly in our place, as he perfectly trusts God's commands and God's love, ultimately what he does is he takes that perfection and he, he offers it to you and says, this is now yours. Because, what, because of what I have done, you are now perfect in God's eyes, right? And he takes the and doubt we have about God's commands. He takes all those times that we've ignored God's word and done our own thing and he he takes the punishment those sins have deserved and he, he takes it in our place. Right? And through the waters of baptism and, and, and through the flesh and blood offered on the he washes away our sins so that he can tell us, you're forgiven. And in forgiving our sins and making us perfect before God, he reconnects us to our Heavenly Father, doesn't he? Right through the work of the Spirit in, in word and sacrament, the Holy Spirit connects us back to God so that we are at one with Him. And how much of it did you and I have to do? None of it, huh? It was God the Son who saved me. It was, it was Jesus my Savior who came to earth and did what I couldn't do and, and to, who took my sins away. It was God the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament who brought me to faith and helped me see and understand my, my Heavenly Father's love for me and created a faith in my heart. It's God who's done everything in order to reconnect me to God. And then 50 days... After Jesus rises from the dead, he undoes a bit all that happened at Babel. Right? The disciples had this good news to share. Jesus had spent 40 days with his disciples after the resurrection, teaching them and, and, and helping them understand the scriptures so that they were able to see how Jesus was that perfect fulfillment of all that God had promised in the Old Testament. Here was their Savior. Here's what that Savior had done for them. And now the Holy Spirit comes to them in a very special way, not only to, to strengthen that connection between them and God, but he gives them an ability to speak in a multitude of languages that they had never learned before. So that good news of a Savior could go to all nations. God hasn't told us that he's ever going to repeat that miracle again. In other words, you and I probably shouldn't wait here, sit here and wait for little tongues of fire to appear over our head 
and for us suddenly to, to be able to speak in a number of different languages. But it's not as though the Holy Spirit hasn't been busy in our life. Right? He, he's come to us. Through word and sacrament has created faith in our hearts. He continues to, to strengthen that faith as I read and study God's word, as I come to church, as I go to Bible class, as I interact with God and his word, God, God speaks to me and the Holy Spirit helps me understand all that my God has done for me and what he expects of me as his child. And the Holy Spirit has given me a language to communicate with others. And it turns out he surrounded us with people who speak the same language that need to hear that same good news the disciples had. Because that same good news the disciples had is the same good news that you and I have, right? Of a, of a Savior who's forgiven our sins, has given us an eternal home in heaven, a Savior who's done it all for us and who connects us to God. And now look at the position the Holy Spirit puts you and I in. He doesn't call us to go to a foreign country and learn a foreign language and preach God's word to them. He's called all of us to a place among people who speak the same language and surrounded us with people who need to hear the same good news. And he says, go. Right? The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost ends the, the babble that started at Babel. And in doing that, puts us in positions to continue to proclaim that good news to the people around us. So be bold. Be confident in that sharing. You have good news to share. You know what your Savior has done. Forgiveness, he's, he's won for you. You know what's waiting for you. Take that good news and share it. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.